The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome to the first episode of Psych Up Live. I'm your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips, and on this show, we'll be turning up the psychological perspective on many life issues. For two years, as the former host of Psych Up on Casozo Radio, I joined with some terrific guests to host 73 shows. This new show is different because it includes you in the conversation. This is Psych Up Live. I welcome you to listen in and call in. Today we're going to be talking about something we all have experience with, friends. We're going to be talking about good friends, bad, virtual, and changing friends. Our guest today is a real expert. Dr. Andrea Bonia is a licensed psychologist, faculty of Georgetown University, the mental health advice columnist writing Baggage Check for the Washington Post Express, and the author of a terrific book, The Friendship Fix. The Complete Guide to Choosing, Losing, and Keeping Up with Your Friends. Dr. Andrea Bonier, welcome to Psych Up Live. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Now, I know you hear loads of things about friends, and over the years in my office, I have also. Just as our backdrop for today, what would you say is the major reason people feel they want and need friends? Yeah, I think we're really wired to have friendships. Believe it or not, evolutionarily speaking, we needed friends. We were bred to have friends. They helped us way back with hunting and gathering food and warding off predators. So it really is a biological need, and friendships really do increase our physical and mental health. Hmm. So we all want them. The question is, and how do we keep them, and how do we keep them from getting complicated? I think probably, you know, people will mention they have a dear friend, they have best friends. Many people want a friend who's a confident, but I probably hear more about the problems with friends. For instance, Mm -hmm. one of the dilemmas that I hear, Andrea, is this has been my friend forever, but actually I'm really starting to feel like it's work being with her. There's no end to the complaints, and there's no end to the critique of my life from her perspective. But I feel obligated. Do you really ever give up old friends? Yeah, this is such a common complaint. I think you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, there's that fine line between sticking with someone out of loyalty and a shared sense of history and helping them through difficult times where maybe they're not a good friend to you, but you kind of owe it to them to still be there for them. So there's a fine line between that versus being stuck in a toxic relationship that just keeps going in a negative way where there are bad patterns and it's not good for you. And I think, honestly, a lot of women especially can get caught in this cycle because we feel guilty you know, ending the relationship, we feel guilty taking the steps for ourselves because we think, well, what's just one more friend? I've got a history with this person. And in reality, we're doing ourselves a disservice because we're sort of hoarding these toxic relationships that are bringing us down. Hmm. Well, how would I know? Like, what, what steps would I take? How would I know if this is a friendship that I might want to let go Or how would I even approach it? Should I approach it? What could I say? Yeah, I mean, the first step is really getting to know whether or not it's a friendship 
that is good for you. And sometimes people have mixed feelings for a while. They know they're not really excited about seeing the person. Um, But you have to ask yourself a couple of questions. Number one, is this a recent thing? Is it a phase? Could it be that the friend is going through something that's making them kind of difficult to be around, but it really is just a temporary thing? And in that case, often you might owe it to them to stick by them because Ideally, our friends don't just drop us when we're going through something difficult. Um, But on the other hand, if it's a long-standing pattern and it's something that you've noticed for a long time and maybe they're always complaining about things and you've tried to help them but they never take your advice and they just never move forward, then it could be a pattern that really is more permanent. And, you know, do you really truly like this person or are you just going through the motions? Do you feel like your best self when you're around this person, oftentimes, you know, people don't like the way they are when they're with certain friends. They know that the friends are bringing out bad personality traits in them. Maybe they're catty or rude or competitive when they're around this friend. That's a sign that maybe it's time to think about ending it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've often invited people to think of even saying to themselves or to the person, we're not a match anymore. There was a time mm-hmm. when we were roommates where we survived, and I don't even know how, but we're just not a match anymore. So no one leaves feeling too put down or too discarded, but certainly, as you're saying, the energy that might go into dealing with or uh, um, anticipating a visit from a friend that's no longer a match is one that just might not be the best for you. One of the other areas where people often talk in terms of friendships getting a little bit shaky or when we bring romance into the picture. Um, Someone might might tell me or might tell another friend, you know, I can't really stand being her and her new boyfriend because he is so negative to her. I don't know if she doesn't see it. I don't know if she doesn't care. But as her friend, I don't know what to say. Yeah. How do we proceed in something like that? Yeah, it's a common issue. You know, I think even if somebody likes their friend's boyfriend or girlfriend, oftentimes it's just a different dynamic now because the friend is not as available. And so we used to go out all the time, but now she's spending her Friday and Saturday nights with her boyfriend and things have changed. But Um, So even when it's a good relationship and you like the person, you might feel slighted that you don't get as much time with your friend. That's a really difficult situation. But when you actively don't like the boyfriend or significant other, you've got to ask yourself a couple questions. Is this the fact that he's just not your cup of tea? You wouldn't want to have him as a boyfriend. Um, Maybe you're jealous, again, of the time he's spending with her and you miss spending that time with her. Maybe you're frustrated that now she's found a boyfriend when maybe it hit something in you because you are frustrated with your own love life. Is it that, or is it that you actually think that this person's not good for her? Because in the latter case, it's a little more complicated because you might think about having a conversation about it. Um, if you think that he's not treating her well, if you think that he's really not good for her, you see changes in her that are unhealthy, then it is a matter of sitting down and trying to have a respectful conversation about it, not putting her on the defensive right away by saying, you know, he stinks, he's not a good guy for you. Right, but right. But asking uh-huh. questions, you know, maybe leading with, hey, you know, I've sometimes noticed that he teases you about your weight a little bit, you know, I, is that okay with you? How do you feel about that? Because to be honest, I was a little taken aback. And, you know, asking her how she's Mm. really feeling about this relationship rather than just giving your disapproval. Right. What I like about what you're saying, Andrea, is raising your friend's consciousness in terms of maybe noticing it. Um, It's it's a rough area because... um, no one knows the couple or what goes on with the couple like the couple. And sometimes they're, they are a little bit different in public. We don't even know mm-hmm. if he's obnoxious because he doesn't want to compete with you, the friend. So right. you really have to tread softly. And I, I like the way you said it. Even if someone adds, you know, I, you know, I love you. So just tell me to shut up if you want. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I 
to love you all the time. So I, I noticed this. Mm-hmm. The idea of using, as you say, I noticed or observing leaves it not as judgment, but just maybe a caring raising of consciousness. Right. Absolutely. And, and being respectful about it, because oftentimes if you come on too strong about it, then the friendship's over because she feels like she has to choose between her significant other and you as the friend. I think, I think that's so true. The other is when you decide to just disappear on the friend, because then yeah. the friend may mistakenly think, I got a boyfriend and now she won't be with me, but really misses the message of concern that you had about the way this um, new romance was going or the way you observed him treat her, or the reverse. The, or the reverse, of course, could be true. Um, what, do you think, what do you think people should do when their friend is very negative? That is, says continually or points out the negative parts of the person you're dating or even your husband. Do you, mm-hmm. do you keep separate and decide, okay, well, then I'll never include her whenever my boyfriend or my husband's around? Um, what do we do about a friend like that? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to give their opinion some honest assessment, like, is there something that I'm not realizing here? Am I maybe in a bad relationship and my friend is being annoying about it, but there's some truth to what she's saying? But if you then notice that it's really just about her, you know, maybe she just doesn't mess with your husband, she sees him in a bad light, or maybe she's got her own issues that are making her be negative about it, um, then you do have to kind of protect yourself. You have to think about how much you want to Expose yourself to the negative views, and um, maybe it means, okay, you are only going to sort of have brunch with her and pedicures every once in a while, but she's not going to come to your house for dinner, or maybe when you talk, you're not going to talk as much about your husband or boyfriend because you know she's going to start in. Um, If it's too pervasive of a pattern, though, I mean, if her negativity really gets in the way of being able to enjoy any time together, then it's time to think about whether or not this is a good friend to you to have. But I, I will say sometimes we block out a friend's opinion when, you know, it's, it's hard to hear, but maybe they actually are onto something a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one of the other things that goes with that is considering our expectations. There are some yeah. friends, this is for men and women, they are just so similar, so attuned, Mm-hmm. They're easy, so easy. But many of us have friends that are different, and which may be a good thing. So sometimes the notion that all our friends should be clones of us or all mm-hmm. friends should act a certain way with us is somewhat entrapping because that really it cuts out the diversity and it doesn't really recognize that many friends play different roles in our life. I mean, the one yeah. who's soothing, maybe that is the friend to when we're in pain and the one where we want someone to be blunt that is someone else we go to and the one we go to as a resource because he or she knows every restaurant everywhere always that's a different kind of friend Um, and those differences don't mean toxic they just mean different right Right. You're so right in that expectations are so important because so many times we're let down by a friend because our expectations are more than they can give and we're not recognizing that there is usually no one end-all, be-all person in our lives that's going to fill every single role. And so it's okay. It's okay to have that friend that you wouldn't hesitate to call to pick you up from the airport and, you know, she has a key to your house and does all that. But Maybe she's not necessarily a great listener all the time, <laughs> you know, and, or maybe the opposite is true. Maybe there's a mm-hmm. friend that you have, you know, fantastic talks with and she's great at giving advice, but you don't really have any interests in common, so you're not going to go hiking or shopping together or that kind of thing, and, and it's okay. I think the more that you can really know yourself and know your friend's personality traits, then the more realistic that you can be in terms of really knowing what they're capable of giving and what they're not. And stop, you know, sort of trapping yourself with this idea that 
one friend has to be able to provide everything for you because that's just not the way human beings are. We're not going to ever mesh 100% with a person. And if we did, it would be downright boring. I mean, part of the wonderful thing about friends is that they can give us a new perspective on things that's different from our own. So I do think expectations are very, very important. You know, one of the, one of the times when this completely backfires is at wedding parties when you decide... You know, one for all and all for one, and all these different friends, not only are they forced to love each other as your bridesmaids, they're forced to wear the same color dresses and the same dresses, and (laughs) it's never more visually clear that your friends are different for different reasons, and this just doesn't go this way. But, you know, friends hang in, but, um, you know, there's a reason we've seen the show with 23 bridesmaid dresses, because some people have been through this quite a few times. It's not easy. And, and it's a little bit, you know, over the line to expect all your friends are going to kind of love each other the way you individually yeah. love them. Yeah, um, I mean, that's things- weekends are classic for that. You've got this motley crew of women who might not even know each other, and you're all supposed to spend a weekend at a spa somewhere, and some people just might not gel. Well, they mostly don't gel, actually, but they pretend they gel for the sake of the bride. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's a different version for, for everybody. I don't know if men have a similar problem with bachelor parties, but I think they might handle it with a little bit more ease. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of the things that I want us to talk about is if we take this sort of a mosaic of friends and different friends, good, toxic, what do we do when we add the social media? Um, we have a little bit more time, and then we're going to take a break. But the question is, has social media enhanced our friendships? Has social media compromised our friendships? Are we so caught up in social media we forget our friendships? So, I mean, that's one of the things I'm wondering. Is that something people are talking to you a lot about? Yes. Yes, and honestly, I think the answer is a little bit of both. Social media, you know, in terms of enhancing versus compromising, social media can be amazing for friendships, a way of of staying in almost daily contact with someone who's moved across the country, and now you sort of see what their kids are up to, you see what they're up to. Certainly that is a bonus, but then the... the Let me stop you at the bonus, Angie. Excuse me a minute. I'm going to stop you at the bonus. We're going to need to take a break, but let's come back with this. You've You've been listening to Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips and author Andrea Bonia of The Friendship Fix, The Complete Guide to Choosing, Losing, and Keeping Up with Your Friends. We'll be talking about friends and social media. We'll be right back. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The schizophrenia community faces tough challenges every day. The community includes individuals living with schizophrenia, their partners, parents, children, siblings, friends, neighbors, 
coworkers, and also their providers of healthcare and social services. To hear Dr. Gordon Atherley introduce members of the schizophrenia community who are sharing their experiences, tune in to Schizophrenia Community Radio every week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Andrea Boniara about friendships, and we were just talking about the impact of social media on friendship. Does it enhance yeah. it? Does it complicate it? So what, what do you think, Andrea? Yeah, I think when used in the right way, it really can be a lovely thing, you know, a way to really keep ties going that wouldn't have still been easy to keep up because of geography or change in lifestyles or those kinds of things. So at its best, it can be a wonderful thing. But the underbelly of that is that sometimes it's just a matter of collecting a bunch of superficial connections that really aren't true friendships. And that can leave us feeling a little bit empty. So sometimes people are sort of just hoarding connections, but even their closest friends, it's no longer really a a meaningful interaction. It's just, you know, typing LOL after you see a video that somebody posted and that's it. And I think that's why we can sometimes see some loneliness associated with people who spend a ton of time on social media as opposed to in-person relationships is that they're not necessarily using the social media in the way that really feels emotionally nourishing. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good point. I, I hear about it being used very well when people are, you know, we call um, flying solo. When people are living alone and they're single, um, regardless of age, they might be midlife, they might be after, but when they can use it to set up a lunch date, to uh, remind somebody of a show they want to see, um, it really is a way to not feel alone. So there's, yeah. there's, you know, whether it comes through the phone or the computer, it's a good connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and finding communities <clears throat> of people. You know, one thing that the Internet and social media can be wonderful for is connecting you with people that share something in common with you that you wouldn't have necessarily been able to find out there easily in real life. So maybe it's a certain diagnosis, you know, maybe if you have social anxiety, you can connect with people in a way online that would have been very difficult for you to find just going up to somebody in a coffee shop or that kind of thing. So it definitely can breed intimacy, um, but sometimes it's almost taking the place of intimacy. So it really does depend on how you use it. And you can ask yourself, how do I feel after spending a half hour on Facebook? Is it sort of like I feel more empty, like I'm just kind of automatically scrolling through my feed and not really getting getting anything from it? Or does it really feel like, yeah, hey, now I know what she's up to today and I feel more connected to her? That's really the question you have to be asking yourself. There's a person that I know in a shop who I I can't tell you how important her virtual friends are to her. They're not virtual in the sense that she mm-hmm. did she was playing a game. These are other people who began to play the game, but at some of the most difficult times of her life, she says it's these friends from all over the country that have wished her a good day, prayed for her, etc. So mm-hmm. for her the feeling I get is that this is a crucial group of friends. Now, it might not certainly meet the needs of many, many other people, maybe most people. But for her, I'm always startled that she'll fill me in on what one of these friends um, emailed her that particular day. And so I see Mm -hmm. it in some cases as a real lifeline for folks. Yes. 
Yes, it can feel just as real. I mean, a lot of those online friendships really are true friendships in every sense of the word, as much as a friendship that was formed offline in quote-unquote real life. I think, you know, the Internet can be wonderful for that. In those cases, you're seeing it actually mimic in-person friendships because there is spontaneity and sharing and intimacy. Um, Unfortunately, you know, sometimes when it's just Facebook or Twitter or whatever, it doesn't really have any of that intimacy. So it really does depend on what you're allowing yourself to do, how close you're allowing yourself to get to someone. Right. Now, the downside that I've heard has to do with feeling not wonderful about yourself, and using Facebook, sadly enough, as proof you're not as wonderful as everyone else. So even as our studies keep sort of reflecting, it sort of fuels envy. It fuels low self-esteem. Someone goes on, and I've often said to people, please remember that people's Facebook pages and their pictures are more like brochures. We don't Mm, see every part of the hotel. We see the best part the hotel um, in the brochure and that's a little bit about what you're seeing but very hard when someone says I can't believe this person we started in the same place look where he is now look at his wife and kids so that there is a real comparison that fuels envy but in a negative way that backfires on the self because there's a constant comparison and a constant use of an exterior criteria, someone else's mm-hmm. life, you know, as the, the mile marker on where I should be. And that's where we've seen, and the studies show us, that the continual looking at Facebook in that way really can fuel a certain amount of depression also. Right. Absolutely. I mean, there's an old saying, I believe, that originated in the 12-step community, you know, don't compare your insides to someone else's outsides. And I think sometimes that's what happens with social media is that we're looking at somebody's vacation photos and their kids are all smiling or a picture of their house after they've gotten it renovated or, you know, all of these things. We're not seeing an accurate representation of their life, but it feels like we need to compare ourselves. You know, I've never gone to that beautiful hotel. My office doesn't look as nice. My kids aren't as well behaved. And so all of a sudden you're caught in this feedback loop where you're constantly feeling worse about yourself. And as you've mentioned, the data really does indicate that for some people, they do have that dip in mood, and there's a very fine line between, you know, feeling envious and competitive and jealous just for a few minutes and then snapping out of it versus it becoming a cycle where you do start to actually feel depressed. Right. There was an interesting opinion piece in the Times a while ago where someone said the way she thought she'd get out of this is she would scan through all the Facebook pages of people she'd gone to school with looking for bad things that people had posted about other things. And she said she was revved up doing this, and eventually she felt so much worse that she realized this was nothing she should ever do again. So that is certainly not a way to detox from uh, getting hooked into the brochure, the brochure piece. I mean, I would say to people, let's back up and take a look at your life for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. One one wonderful, one of, a student I had once said, she uses Facebook as a way to connect with friends, and that matters. But she said, it's really a scrapbook of my life. I It's my way of reminding me of the milestones. She was going to run a marathon. She was at a certain place in her studies. And I think that's an important way to think about it. If you're posting you or if you're posting to enhance someone else that's a very different experience than if you're looking to find out if you're okay based on what job your friend got right right exactly exactly and these are the things where you can really learn more about yourself by observing yourself and really paying attention to these feelings and paying attention in a mindful way to exactly what you're doing online and how it's making you react It's true. You know, uh, we often put down teens as being out of control, 
with this whole social media, but there was a, a recent um, research, Pew Research reported that in screening all these teens, I thought this was so interesting, teens reported that they'll text friends and kind of friends, but if it's a real friend, they make a phone call. So they're, mm-hmm. uh, they're, using, they're using real life talking to people who they really want to connect with as friends, and, you know, they text half the world. But that's interesting because I think it's a good thing to think about, which is, as you were saying before, to move off the sites and off the social media and maybe actually have the the cup of coffee with the person, maybe make the date with the person, use it as an enhancement to your friendships, not a replacement to your friendships. Right, exactly, because I think there really is something to be said for face-to-face contact when you can have it, you know, because there's a spontaneity there, there's body language, there's eye contact, there's nuance in how you're looking at the person and how you're moving and the tone of your voice. A lot of that is missed in texts, and and texts really aren't nearly as spontaneous as um, conversation that's voice to voice because you're really taking time to, or maybe not, but often, you know, you're composing a response and you're sort of throwing it at the other person and waiting for them to respond. And it's not really as in the moment as face to face conversation. I even think, to follow up on what you're saying, no matter how many emojis or whatever you put with your text, they're mm-hmm. often misinterpreted. People think they're being clever or sarcastic. The other person's outraged that this could be said to them. So now we're doing damage control based on what you thought was a clever comment. Yes, yes. There's so much to be lost in translation. And honestly, I see this in dating all the time. My clients said, you know, they're constantly having to decode and analyze these texts. Whereas if they'd even just talked by phone, they might have had a little bit more of an idea of what the person meant. Right, they'd at least have had the expression. So mm-hmm. let's let's move into um, moving across the lifespan. There are some people who say, both men and women, that marriage can ruin friendships. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think it can take a toll on friendships because... The common pattern that happens is it's a significant lifestyle change. You maybe went from hanging out with your friend a lot to having responsibilities of (laughs) romantic relationships, spending time with that person who comes first. So the first thing to go is usually the spontaneity. You know, it used to be that the person could kind of hang out for the moment, and now there needs to be two weeks notice or, um, you know, and then there's all kinds of issues of just what you're having in common, you know. It used to be that maybe you each spent a lot of time talking about dating or relationships, you're in the same stage of life, and now your friend has a mortgage and a partner and they're getting a dog and they're talking about having a child and you can't relate to any of that. And so Mm -hmm. there's a disconnect there. Um, And then obviously too, there comes the issue of perhaps jealousy as well. You know, how am I spending my time? Is my partner okay with me hanging out with my friends three times a week still when he only sees his friends twice a month? And Mm -hmm. maybe your partner sort of wants to spend all time together, whereas you need more time with your friends. Maybe you are truly your partner's best friend, whereas for you, you still have other confidants that you consider your best friend more so than your partner. So there can be all kinds of issues for both the partner and the friend when marriage comes into play. Yeah, I think I think they often go unspoken and friends get dropped or, or people end up feeling bad. I, I love how you put out all the dynamics. There's the couple's dynamics and the balance, and then there's expectations. I sometimes ask people to put themselves in the shoes of the other person mm-hmm. um, so they have a sense about it. Like, I mean, if you're a young guy with two babies and you have no time do you think your two single friends really want to come over to play with your kids? Now they probably want to go clubbing. Well, they, it doesn't mean they don't like you or love you anymore. It just means you might have to come up, as you say, with a scheduled time where you're going to meet them for lunch or you might meet exactly. them for dinner. But to be insulted that they don't want to play with your kids or to be insulted that your newly married friend isn't calling you every night and you're watching a show together right. while you're talking 
you know, is an expectation that maybe you have to rein in a little. So people, yeah. I mean, we're human. You know, it's a loss, as you say. A friend gets mm-hmm. married, they've, they've entered a different domain. But to, to stick with just the feeling of resentment, envy, or anger, and not somehow broaden the context or put it in context, you might mm-hmm. lose a friend that really was a very important person in your life. Yes. Yes, and communication is so key. I am always amazed how many people I work with who, okay, my friend got married and now I really miss her and she never spends any time with me anymore and, you know, or maybe she had a baby and the same thing. And it's too hard for them to actually communicate about it, whereas if they actually were to sit down and have a conversation about new expectations and how much they miss their friends, it probably would come to a pretty significant conclusion and they'd be able to work it out. So the first step is really being able to start a conversation that's honest and respectful about it and and to say, hey, I know your life is really different now. I know we don't have as much in common. I miss you, though, and I wonder if we Mm -hmm. can figure out how we can spend time together. I know you can't come over to my apartment on Saturday nights to watch a movie like we always did anymore, Um, but what do you say about me bringing takeout to your house after the baby's in bed for the night or, you know, once a week, trying to work out some new way because you have to communicate about it. Otherwise, it's just the elephant in the room. Both people notice that there's a change. They feel bad about the change, but there's no work toward actually making it better. It's so true. And I think what you're saying, making meaning out of what's going on and letting your own feelings be for a friend to hear, they still matter, but you can barely keep your eyes open because you've been up all night with the baby. Or even to let a spouse know that she or he come first, but that your friendships are a piece of who you are and that somehow Mm -hmm. let's figure out a way for me to negotiate having a marriage and some friends I really love. I think it is all about communication, Andrea. I think it's when we don't speak about things that we end up in a place uh, where we we lose too much and too many people. We're going to take a brief break now. You've been listening to Psych Up Live with Dr. Suzanne Phillips and guest Dr. Andrea Bonnier, author of The Friendship Fix. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. We're talking about friends, and in this segment, we want to touch on something that we think really covers most people throughout the lifespan, and that is, how do you make new friends as you go through this journey of life? Whether you are a college co-ed that just landed on campus a few months ago, or you just retired, and you're in a state you never lived in before, or you were recently widowed or recently divorced... Um, or you're a mom who never had little ones before and you're facing the playgroup situation. Andrea, what do we do? How do we make new friends? Yeah, the first step I always say is to recognize that this is normal. I think there's a lot of embarrassment about being an adult and feeling like you don't have any friends. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of sort of negativity about it must be about me. What kind of adult doesn't have any friends? This makes me feel like I'm in junior high school all over again. And the first step is just to own it and say, hey, when you move to a new place, or when all your friends happen to have kids and you don't, or you switch jobs, or you retire, or you get a divorce, or whatever, that's a very common time to feel like a lot of your friendships might fade. And so it's okay. So first step is to don't make it personal about you. View it as a task to be completed, a goal that you're making, just like any personal or financial goal. It's going to take some effort, and it's a numbers game. What you're really going to do is you're going to need to just start to meet more people. It's that simple in terms of exposure and the people that you have proximity to. The research shows us that proximity, of course, helps breed familiarity and breeds friendships because you see these people over and over again and you feel like you actually share something in that sense. So think about ways to build your community. Um, Think about groups that you can join, classes you can take, volunteer work that you can do. Does your new neighborhood have a listserv? Is there a happy hour at your new workplace? If you've retired, is there a group in your area, a walking group for seniors or a a college alumni group now that you've just graduated and you're new in town? Um, Anything like that. You know, taking a class or hanging out at the same coffee shop doing work a couple days a week can actually have you seen the same people over and over again and starting to talk to them because it is really a matter of building community. But I do find that most important isn't just, of course, meeting people. Often the problem is, well, how do I turn that into a friendship? It's one thing to see the same person at a gym, you know, and say hi every day. It's another thing to actually then ask them out for coffee. And this is where it gets daunting. This is where people say, oh, this is too awkward. I can't do that. And that's when you really have to go back to the fact that it's a numbers game. You know, we don't expect Mary, the first person that we ever go on a date with. So don't be hard on yourself that, you know, you suggest hanging out with some people and then the friendship never takes off. It feels weird because there's no script. It's not like dating. You know, how do you platonically ask someone out? Sometimes I even recommend acknowledging the awkwardness and saying, you know, okay, so there's another mom at, at the preschool and you chat each day. You can even acknowledge, hey, you know, I love chatting with you. This feels kind of weird to ask you out for coffee, but if you ever want to get coffee, let me know. And mm. it's sometimes as simple as that. You know, and another way that technology can be helpful is in this sense that Sometimes just exchanging phone numbers because you're texting for some logistical reason can sometimes start a friendship going over text that then can get you meeting in person a little bit more. So a quick text about something, hey, how's it going? And then the next thing you know, you're sort of trading stories back and forth. You want continuity in your conversation. So 
stop with the small talk. You know, you got to move past the weather and you got to actually start to follow up on things that were said in previous conversations to try to sort of form a link of continuity that takes the conversation deeper. Mm. You know, I, I love the way you're saying you said I have to you have to do something, and that means for, for all of us, it feels like taking a risk. And people have said to me, why do I have to be the one who always mm-hmm. is asking, hey, would you like to go to coffee, or you wanted to have the kids in a play date? And I, and I sort of say, well, it's your life. So mm-hmm. you can either wait for someone to get the guts, or you can mm-hmm. give it a shot. Um, you'd yeah. be surprised that there are some people who just are not going to respond, but there's a very good chance that someone will. And the more you take that risk, the easier it will be to, as you say, understand that I went to coffee with her, the kids, we brought the kids together, the kids hated each other, we realized nobody worked here, all right, we tried, we move on. But Mm -hmm. it's almost like once you've done it, it's a little bit like online dating, and you start to really get a feel for what you use as your cue that someone is a matchup and who is someone who the kids love each other, but you two really are not the best friends, but it works for, for now. So, but pulling the plug and actually introducing yourself and then following up is major. Major. Yes, indeed. And it's amazing how it can really feel intimidating. But, you know, as you said, you just got to kind of, get over it at some point because it is part of the process. You're either going to choose that you're going to make this difference in your life and, and seek out friendships or you're going to wait for them to happen. And honestly, past the college years, it's really rare for a friendship to just automatically occur so easily. I mean, college is kind of the ideal <laughs> melting ground for, for some, relationships. Yes. Because everybody's right there and everybody's in the same stage of life and you're sharing meals together. That really doesn't happen as much anymore outside of the workplace. And certainly the workplace has its own complications. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think also um, being somewhat inclusive is often a good thing. You know, there is a tendency, whether it's seniors or whether it's young moms or dads on a soccer field, to, be, to buddy up with someone while someone else is standing there. And I think mm-hmm. the more inclusive you are, as you're saying, you want to go out for coffee, you want to go for a beer, whatever it is, um, the more easy you are seen as a person who really just wants to connect. And an unsuspecting Mm -hmm. person who went out for the beer or went for the coffee may end up being the person who was the best match for you. You can't know that, you know? Yeah. You might be surprised who you end up clicking with. That is so true. Right. And I've also seen, and I encourage people, you know, I had mentioned to you earlier this recent survey that found 68% of 3,000 respondents to the time said that men and women are comfortable confiding in each other as friends. And I've Mm -hmm. heard some really wonderful stories where it's a dad bringing a kid to a game or to a playgroup talking to another mom. And eventually, as they became soccer friends, uh, parent friends, they involved their spouses. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be an off-limit type of thing. Men and women often become very good friends, whether it's in the workplace, um, whether it's in college, or whether it's with kids. Um, That's another arena that doesn't have to be um, something that frightens people away. Yes, yes. And I find that the younger that folks are, the more that these kinds of relationships are just very natural. You know, younger generations are definitely more embracing uh, across the across-the-aisles relationships, so to speak, in terms of mixed-gender um, friendships. Then older, genera- then older generations, you might have been a little bit more conservative, but I think you're absolutely right. You know, there's really something to be gained by having friends of the opposite sex as well. And as long as you're being respectful and honest with everyone involved, as long as there's no sort of secret smoldering attraction that you're actually hiding and not admitting to yourself, you know, I think it can be a wonderful thing. You just have to make sure that it's not threatening to your romantic romantic relationship if you have one. Right, right. You know, you you said one thing in your book that I, I wanted listeners to hear in terms of making friends. I think you suggested that people 
think about having tomorrow off and what they would love to do tomorrow. And if it was read a good book as opposed to take a bike ride, as opposed to going to a restaurant for lunch, that might in some way shape the type of friend you would look for. I mean, there's no sense being in a book group if you don't like reading. So, (laughs) so, but if you, if you become authentically attuned to what you love and what you're good at, you're going to know what areas to look in to make these new friends. Yeah, because ultimately that's why shared activities, friendships are so great. And it's also one of the best ways to meet friends because if you've got those common interests, then you're sort of doubly enjoying yourself. You know, you're bike riding right. what you love and you're talking and growing this intimate friendship with someone or you're talking about books together, which you love, or you have someone that can actually go hiking with you or whatever it is. So, yeah, really get to know yourself. You have to ask some hard questions about your personality because sometimes there are aspects of your personality that maybe aren't so great, but you have to acknowledge them. Maybe you like to be the dominant one with all the funny stories and getting most of the attention in friendships, and that might be okay as long as you are honest about that to yourself and you look for people who are going to be okay with that. Right. You know, we're just about out of time. I, Dr. Bonia, I can't thank you enough for your book, The Friendship Fix, um, your column, and for being our guest today on Psych Up Live. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was truly an honor to kick off this show, and I look forward to doing it again sometime in the future. Right. Now, I thank you. I want to ask if our listeners wanted to be in touch with you or wanted to get this. It's actually, it's a very funny book also, The Friendship Fix. Where could they get it? Yeah, so you can check out my website, which is either com as you mentioned, or just thefriendshipfix.com will get you there. The book is available online. It's still in some bookstores. And um, that's also a link to my column and the Psychology Today pieces that I write as well. Which is terrific. Um, I want to thank uh, my listeners out there. Um, I thank you for joining us on this first episode, and I invite you to be listening next week. Next week, we have Dr. Jeffrey Greif, and he's going to really um, unmask the issues of male friendships. Is there such a thing as a male friendship? Do men need women to help them make friendships? Do men hang on to friendships? Wait till you hear what his research has to tell us. Thanks again, and remember, you're part of the conversation, so listen in and call in. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. 